Oh, good to be home. <laughs> I was, uh, I was last Sunday we were at a motel this time, watching a little bit online. What a great job, uh, Kenzie, Brother Kenzie, who spoke last Sunday. I got to get off this mic. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Mess with Austin when I start using two mics at the same time. Hey, welcome again. Just bless you. Thank you for being here. God is for you. Remember that. God is for you. No matter what you're facing today, it's, it's not too difficult for the Lord. He touches our bodies. He restores things. We're going to believe God's going to heal that hand up. Thank you, Jesus, that it, there wasn't some index things going on there. All in all, we can look back at times and say, there was the Lord, there was the Lord. That was the Lord. That was the Lord. He was with you. And uh, I can look back at situations, but I want to look at the scriptures. The reason we come together is what? To build up one another. But worship God, building up one another through the word, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is walking. I pray often, Jesus walk among us, but he really walks in you. He walks through you. You bring Jesus with you. You accepted the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes into your heart to live and dwell. Isn't that a marvelous thought? You are not alone. You have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you to, to comprehend, to understand, to have peace, to have wisdom, have comfort. All the stuff that God has for you is available. At the end of the message, we'll celebrate uh, through communion, uh, remembering the sacrifice of the Lord, his broken body, his shed blood. We, we must not forget that. And keep that, up, keep that fresh in our mind. So the scriptures that I've chosen is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 6 will be our main focus. I've, I've titled it a walking Bible. How many have heard that phrase somewhere in your longevity of life? A walking, you ever heard that? You ever heard that? A walking Bible. Well, how about this one? You may be the only Bible someone's reading. You ever heard that one? A couple of nods. Well, ah, okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It takes a lot to throw me off. Um, a walking Bible, what, what is that? Well, we're going to read the verses. It helps me. Help figure out what in the world is the pastor gone mad? Are we supposed to all walk around looking like a Bible? Well, the word of God is hide it in your heart, put it in your mind, read it. You hide it in your heart so that when you are walking in the school of life of hard knocks, right, you have something to dwell or draw off from. 
And so what, what, what should come out of you and I when the pressure hits us? Amen? Yeah. Words that should be good. And that's not always the case, but we all struggle with the flesh. But the Word of God is here to help us, to equip us, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Well, Paul is writing to Corinth, which was the cesspool in his day of sin. It was literally meant to fornicate. And God was saving people out of their sin. Hallelujah. He still saves people out of their sin. We need them. And Paul is writing to encourage them to keep up the good work. He has sent some letters to help correct them, guide them, instruct them, but Paul's intention has always been to bring people closer to Jesus. Because if we only follow him from a distance, we're more apt to deny him like Peter at the time when he's, you know, he was struggling. He didn't have the help of the Holy Spirit yet. During that time, you have to, you have to understand where Peter was. And he was following Jesus from a distance. It means Jesus was being led to be crucified. He was leading up to the crucifixion. Peter was, he was so, you know, he didn't want it to happen. He's the guy who cut off the ear of Malchus. Malchus, Malchus, remember? Malchus. You ever figure that out? He wasn't aiming for his ear. He's aiming for his neck. I'm sure about that. Malchus ducked. And someone said that he's a bad aim. <laughs> Bless his soul. Peters are, they're, they're, we need more Peters. Step out on the water and start to walk, but oh boy. Well, he got wet. I want to read now. Are, are, we the beginning to, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? He asked the question. Or do we need some, do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? Not condemnation, commendation. You are, a, you are our letter written in our hearts. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Paul is saying to the church, you are our letter. Known and read by all men. That's where I get this thought. A walking Bible. Demonstrating what it is to be in relationship with God. People need more examples. Amen? People need living examples that will not only tell you the way, but show you the way. Demonstrate. We need people, as James said, ye be ye doers of the word. Demonstrate to the world around you what it is to be a Christ follower, to be in relationship with Jesus. 
Verse 3, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. He's referring to, he's going to refer a little bit later to the the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit of God gives life. The letter of the law tells me what I must do, but I keep failing. It tells me what my sin is, but it, it can't take away my sin. It covered my sin in the Old Testament through the sacrifices, but it couldn't take it away. We remembered the sins, and it, God still needed the sacrifices to cover the sins during those time, that time period. New Testament, after crucifixion and resurrection, hallelujah, God takes away the sin. It's forgotten. It is cleansed. Amen? No more condemnation. No more guilt trips. Because you're a new person. In Jesus. That's what it's all about. You've, we've got to understand God is for you. God is for us. God is in the redeeming, redemption. God is in the saving business. God is in the cleansing business. Thank God he's patient with us. Thank God that he's long-suffering. Thank God that he searches for us and seeks us out. Verse 4, it says this, and such confidence, so number one point, first point, call it confidence. Confidence. I don't have a lot of confidence in myself. Sometimes it's, I know where I need to go to get my confidence. It's in the Lord. I grew up so shy I couldn't look at people when they talked to me. I grew up as a kid that would run and hide under the bed when company came in. If they came in unexpectedly, we'd run and hide under the bed till we knew who it was who was safe to come out. If it was something totally different, I just hung under the bed. I just stayed upstairs. This is weird, isn't it? But we grew up, we just got to be quiet, shy. And I struggled a little bit through school. Speeches were the worst day of my life. You give a two-minute speech was the worst day of my life. I can remember standing there so beat red. I knew my face was totally red. And I was just... <laughs> and I just sat down and they go, okay. What happened to me? I'm still shy as nature, naturally. Pray. Until God, the Holy Spirit, comes and begins to stir. The early church were commanded to wait. Don't you dare go out and try to do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what they did. They waited on the Lord for a total of 10 days. Nothing was happening. 
until the mighty rushing wind came and filled all of them, and they all spoke in a different language under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And they went out preaching and laying hands on sick and people recovered, even brought people back to life. That was God. That was the Lord. That was not man. That is the church that God desires for us to be, is to live and move in him, not to be ashamed. Because we have the greatest message. God has given you the greatest insight through his Holy Spirit in your circumstances. God's hand is not too short that he cannot save. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but we read it. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Can you imagine being Paul when he was uh, on a, a trip, on a missionary journey, uh, actually he was being uh, as a prisoner, and the ship, a storm came up. This is in the book of Acts. And all the people were, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die, right? And Paul said, just relax, I heard from the Lord. Okay. You better come through. You have better heard from the Lord. And so sure enough, they were spared. God was with them. Where did that confidence come from? Because Paul, Paul wasn't always a nice person. Paul used to be a Saul, and Saul was a sore head. He was a religious sort. He actually hated Christians prior to his conversion. He, in fact, thought he was doing God a service by destroying Christians because he was bound up in the law. And then it was one day on, the, on a Damascus road that Jesus, Jesus himself, confronted him. And Saul fell on his face, and Saul cried out, that you, Lord? And he was blind for a number of days. But something happened more than his physical sight coming back, his spiritual insight, his spiritual eyes. Praise the Lord. When the light came on, when the, the right light of Jesus the light is the light of Christ. It's not the religion. It's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit of God who has all truth, who knows all things. And he wants to fill us so that you and I can go out and demonstrate to your family, to your, in the neighborhood, your workplace. He shows up. He shows up when you show up. He shows up when you take him with you, when you call him. Pray and seek him. Our confidence comes not by what we can do, but what he can do. We get that confused. I thought, well, I have to work harder. If I'm going to make it in with God, I've got to really prove to God that I'm a good person. You're not, we're not born good. We're, we're born rotten. 
rotten. We're born sinners, right? No matter how I hard I try to, to be good enough, I, I, I come short until I realize this. Oh, you've already done it for me. Oh, you've already paid the penalty that I cannot pay. Oh, no, no wonder, no wonder it's not working. But until I see Jesus, I surrender. It's not about what I do, but what he has already done. And he wants to do more. He wants to save you so that you will become a light in a dark world that you can live with your potential in Jesus Christ. Could you have imagined in Joshua 1.8, could you just imagine with me what it was like Joshua had, he was, he was faithful to Moses, he was faithful and go, he was one of the, uh, the persons that was positive, we can, we, can take, we can take the land, we can take these giants. But because of disobedience to children of Israel, had to wander. And someone said once, why did the people of children of Israel wander for 40 years in the desert? Because they didn't want to stop and ask for directions. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> and that was actually supposed to be the men. The men didn't want to stop and ask for directions. Oh boy. Joshua 1 8, this book of the law shall not depart from Joshua's got the call of God on his life. Moses has passed, his time came, God took him home. Mo and Joshua is probably thinking, how am I supposed to do the job that Moses did? And we read this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. There's the secret. You shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be, may be careful to do according. All that is written in it. It's Joshua who uh, later in his, his life, after he get, got the people over the Jordan, and got them through, the, and then they had the, the you know, circle of Jericho. For, that was a test. and had to do it just the way God told them to do it. And, and then finally he got all through all that, and there was battles, and there was more battles. And finally he, he says, choose. He gets to the end of his, of, his, of his time, and he says, choose you this day. He got him in. But now they had to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Now the temptation was, you know, you're in this new nation, and you other, other people around you, they, they serve false gods. They serve religious. They have all kinds of... And don't get your mind on those. And so he says, choose this day. Joshua's mind was already made up for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. You have to make the decision. And it's the same message for us today. Jesus has offered himself. He's already, he's already provided the sacrifice. Well, we have to make the choice. Am I going to believe him? Am I going to accept him? Or am I going to say, I'm going to do it my way. Or I'm going to say, oh, sometimes, not yet, Lord. No, I'm not ready yet. That's not going to do well. But I trust that you've already accepted him. And you haven't, if you haven't ever accepted him, 
this can be your day. This can be your moment. It's never too late. You see, throughout the Psalms, another man who was used by God was a man who we met him as a young boy named David. Remember that story? He was the shepherd boy. He was he, he, had, he had brothers, a lot of them. And uh, he was sent, sent out from his, with his father's you know, command. He said, go out and, and check on the welfare. Bring him some snacks, you know, pick up some McDonald's on the way. You know, just go check on it. So they, he gets there, and the brother, what are you doing? And what do you think you, you know, God had other plans. And so he gets to see this giant of man, massive beast, nine foot plus tall. Had a, a set of weaver's beam. I, I'm thinking that, that shaft was yay big. That be, this spear. They run you through. You're, you're done, man. But David, David had the spirit of the Lord. He he he. He had been hanging out with God. And see, he, he loved music. David had a, had a gift for music. And it was the way David would, he cultivated his relationship with God. And so David didn't know at the time what was going to happen, but the Spirit of God came on David. That's the way it worked in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God would come upon people. Today, New Testament, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within, wells up within us. See how it works? And so you're always, you have the Holy Spirit, but you've got to be intentional about wanting him to move in your life. You've got to welcome him. But David is, you know, who's this smart aleck? This he says, what do you, who do you think? You know, he's taunting the people of God. And then the Goliath, he, he said, whoa, who's this? And you know, this is like, what do you think I am, a dog? That you come out here with a stick? David had a staff. David had a few stones. And he had a sling. And did you know that David had already practiced could sling a shot. There was people in the Bible that could could sling a shot and hit a hair. They were they were experts. They were sharpshooters. They were gifted by God. And so David was just he's not gonna he's not gonna take this anymore. You come up. Let's do it. And David says I come in the name of the Lord. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now I'm adding, I'm adding scripture from New Testament. David, the spirit of God, wrote confidence. You ever saw a dog bristle? Come on now. Bristle dog? When dogs get territorial and defensive? I just kind of see it. David's hair was, it was all up. It was, he, that spirit of God, and he slung that right 
in the right place. And that, it says, Goliath fell to the, his, he did a face plant. And David finished him off with his own, with, David, with Goliath's sword. That was the beginning. That was the David calling into ministry. He learned to wait on the Lord. He learned to hear God's voice. He had solitude. He learned how to shepherd. He learned how to care for dirty old sheep, smelly old sheep. And he learned how to guard them. And eventually, God called him into becoming the king. But it was a long process because it was one battle after another. And if not one battle, it was David running from another king who was also named Saul, who was jealous of David. And David needed the Spirit of God. So while I'm reading the Psalms lately, I come across this portion of the Psalms in chapter 71. And this is no doubt David's cry. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Now by this time, David's getting a little older. Let me never be ashamed. The devil wants to shame you. God wants to erase, give you a new heart, take away the guilt. In thy righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Climb thine ear to me and save me. Be thou to me a rock of habitation, to which I may continually come. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Notice, he knows where his confidence is. Rescue me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the grasp of the wrongdoer and ruthless man, for thou art my hope. O oh Lord God, thou art my confidence, from my youth, there's the word, New American Standard Version. Thou art my confidence, from my youth. I happen to think that he was thinking back about many memories that he's had in his youth. God has been with me in my youth. God wants to be with you in your youth, and in your middle age, and in your later years, because we read on. I'm going to skip now. Verse 9. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. And do not forsake me when my strength fails. I'm going to let you fill out wherever the old age thing comes from. Old age is... You just don't quite have the strength. You don't quite have your balance. And you're, uh, I, I, I do this all the time now. I, just, I walk from one room to the next. I, I forgot what I walked in there for. Oh, you do it too. Okay. Uh, I go to the truck to get a tool. By the time I got there, I forgot what I had. Went to, you know, it's, it's occasionally. It's not all the time. But it's, 
Is it just stuff, too much stuff in my mind? Is it? Well, confidence. Old age. He is not going to leave you when you're old and gray and whatever, you know. It's, it's just a number. He loves you. Loves you. Be with you till the end. He's going to be with you. When your time comes, he is with you there. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? What? I fear no evil. Why? Because he's with you. He's with you. He's going to be there. And so, confidence. Secondly, complete. He completes us. You go back to 2 Corinthians at verse 5. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. God completes us. God fills in the missing stuff in our life. He fills us where we are empty. He fills us when we don't feel like we're good enough. He fills us and he enables us when if you just get started, if you take the first step, he takes the next step. Draw near to him and what? He will draw near to you. Have you ever had times when you probably overthought something? I mean, you overthought something. You kind of like, hmm, well, well, I got to do this and avoid that and get this and this and this. And what if this happens? And so I got to have a plan. But, you know, have you ever? It's like, wait a minute. Where's the trust? When we get there, the children of Israel, when the priest stepped in the Jordan, the Jordan parted. Not until it was roaring and they had to. While it was, yeah, it was faith. It was total faith, dependence. And God met them. And God wants to meet you right now where you're at in your situation. God loves to come and fill up hearts that are empty. God has it in his heart to save that which is lost. And our emphasis needs to be on what he has done already. Think about what he's done already. How he has provided a way to escape judgment. And we don't have to worry about judgment. Paul was so changed after his conversion that he literally became a powerhouse. God took his energy that he was destroying the Christians and turned him into a Christian. And he went out to reach other people for Jesus. And he began to proclaim the things of God. People weren't sure about, wait a minute, this is that guy, this is, oh, wait a minute, what happened? They were tested too. We have to believe. Yes. Paul preached Jesus. 
2 Corinthians 5.21, we read, He made him who knew no sin to be sin. Let me read that again. He made him who knew no sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of he, he knew no sin. He took our sin. He paid the penalty. No wonder he cried out, Why, God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt the distance, the separation. Sin separates us from God. But we can be, we can be fixed when we say yes to Jesus. I surrender to you. Second Corinthians 4, 5, we read, For we do not preach ourselves. It's not going to be by personality. It's not going to be by just simple, pure, good thoughts. But it's going to be the church is going to be built on the solid rock of Jesus. That's what's going to stand for all eternity. The word of God's going to stand for all eternity. My greatest need is to know Jesus. I don't understand it, and we'll never, I'll never understand it all. All I, I need to understand most, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You, 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 you keep studying, you keep reading, you keep growing, but it will always keep coming back to the simpler the better. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? I don't deserve it because God is a God of love. For God so loved. He loves us so much that he doesn't just abandon us or leave us. He comes to us. He wants to teach us. The Saul that I talked about who destroyed Christians became Paul. God is in the business of changing names. Reputations. God can change your name. What you used to be. Old things pass away. All things become new. The old life, the old sinful nature can be empowered by the new nature of Jesus. Because he has made us complete through the covenant, through the covenant. Covenant has to do with relationship. It's in the heart of God, even in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, to walk with man and the woman. Created you to walk with He delights in your company. He wants you to know him more than anyone else. It's not a contract, so to speak. Well, you don't do this, you don't do that. No, God still chose you. Yes, sin will separate us. It will certainly drag us down. And we need 
Jesus. But more than just knowing what's right and wrong, created me a clean heart. David prayed this prayer. Psalm 51. As much as David loved God, he actually failed a time or two. He let down his guard. It was when David prayed, created me a clean heart, that he was feeling this impurity, and he needs cleansing. And so what we as people need from time to time is to say, Lord, search me and know my heart. Search me. Reveal to me. What is it that you want to put your finger on and say, I want you to give that to me. I want you to surrender that. I want you to allow me to work on that. Let's work on it. Jeremiah 24, verse 7 speaks to the heart. I will give them an I will and I will give them a heart to know me. This is after Jeremiah has, you know, he's dealt with a lot of judgment. Telling basically the people. If you don't turn back to God, God is going to bring this, and he's going to bring this. He's going to bring famine. He's going to bring, he's going to lead you back. But he's going to be, you're going to be kicking. Why don't we just sit there? I, I want to come. This invitation. Well, God is gentle so often with us, so gentle. We can even miss it. And sometimes he disciplines us. We get, we get woke up. Yeah, we can do that. Why? Because he loves you. Jeremiah said, I will give them a new heart. I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people. There it is, the relationship. They will be my people. God's people. That is your family, by the way. God's people is our family. And I will be their God. That's what God, that's what he's all about. God wants to be God, and you're going to be the people. You're going to be the sheep. You're going to be the, you know, make make blunders. Come on. Keep. He leads you. He leads you. You know? He don't herd you, push you. He leads you. Follow, follow. Keep my sheep, know my voice. You see, there's a certain part about the church that people in the community catch on. What's going on? What kind of people are you? There's this reputation. My challenge, I guess, to me Let's be real. We're real people. We stumble, we fall, but we know where to go back to. We keep getting up. Did you know that the psalmist said somewhere, 
when I fall, I'm not hurled headlong. When I, not if you fall, when you fall. When you slip, he has your You were never meant to walk and carry all the burdens by yourself. No, 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 no. The body of Christ is meant to bear one another's burdens. Bear, help, support, love. Listen. Look for the good, encourage the faint-hearted. What a way to live. It is God's way, so it's the best way. The point of it is, is that our eyes are on Jesus, what he has already done. My adequacy is not going to be how much I can do, but what he has done already. He can make me more patient, he can make me more gentle. He can help me discern when I'm not sure. Listen, we're not always going to be totally sure when we're stepping out in faith. That's what faith is. You know that in the book of Acts, the apostles were struggling with an issue. It had to do with circumcision. It had to do with the Gentiles mixing in with the people of God. And there was, there was issues. And it says they came to a place. It said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in us. In other words, it seemed, this seemed to be the best decision. God is big enough, even when you make a mistake, to bring you back on track. How will I know unless... Sometimes I only learn... I learn the most by my mistakes. It's life. And so a walking Bible is not something to be feared. It's just simply a relationship with Jesus. When you love God, people notice it. And you don't have to go out and try to prove anything. It just comes out. It just, it's just who you are in Christ. And so the, you become, become someone who, you know, I think they really know God. And all of a sudden, people start open. Would you pray? For, you know, you know, they start to notice your, your faith in that. 